the text. Uh, one, um, this morning starts elders teaching in children's ministry. And so Mr. Rick Patrick is over there. Pray for him. <laughs> Pray for him. Uh, first time uh, that, yeah, us elders are going to take our turn in the children's ministry. And then the second thing is uh, need to announce, and I want you to hear this. Um, this is not. This is not spin. Um, this is just genuine. How I feel about this. This next announcement is a good one. Okay, <laughs> but it's a little bit difficult. In that Josiah, who just read the text, is going to be stepping down as an elder here at Trinity. And I want to say this very loud and very clearly that from the outset, nothing's wrong. Nothing is wrong. Okay, there's nothing that uh, would be disqualifying in any sort of way. So why the change? Well, the demands of work, and um, more than the demands of work, the demands at home uh, are not conducive at this time with the demands of the pastor elder. And so it's a good thing. It's a good thing. We want that. We want that not only amongst our elders, but our community group leaders um, when when ministry starts to demand in such a way that it, it cramps ministry at home, then a change needs to take place. It needs to happen. So that's why it's a good announcement. It's not one that I entirely like, but it's good, and I'm grateful for it. So um, just so you know, he will continue to work with Resolved, okay? So that's not changing. You'll continue um, on occasion to hear from him. Uh, preaching or holding the mic or what have you, um, and we're gonna we're gonna revisit this uh, probably on a yearly basis. Come back around to it and just check in and see uh, where things are at. And I just want to say both to you, Josiah and Lisa, because it puts a demand not only, of course, on Josiah and what he ha- how he has been serving, but also. Lisa, thank you guys both for how much you give and the time that you've given. And thank you. Wow. Uh, I wish every one of you had the opportunity to sit in an elders meeting. Um, Because we will trust the Lord, but we will also miss uh, your voice in those meetings. And we will trust the Lord. (laughs) And so we'll circle back around. But uh, Josiah brings a voice um, that has just been... Very needed, very helpful, and so grateful for both of you. Um, and just want to 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 say um, in going forward, we'll we'll talk more about this in the weeks to come. But uh, uh, as far as direction goes, in in, in regards to uh, our future, our desire is to add one or two elders to our team um, in 2023. So please be in prayer about that, and please if. If there's someone that you'd just be like, you know what, um, I want the elders to consider so-and-so, please feel free to come to us and talk to us about that. Um, we won't necessarily return back to you if we have a whole lot of folks coming to us and we're just not going to circle back around. But we will discuss anybody that you maybe bring to our attention. And of course, you know, if you've been around, we have an affirmation process. Um, but in all of that, can uh, Josiah served for um, close to four years. Can we just pause and just thank Josiah and Lisa for how they've served the church? 
And isn't that a cool announcement? Like, nothing wrong. It's all healthy. It's very good. And we love it. And so, thank you so much. Well, um, we, we transition. Title this morning is Immorality, Murder, and a Cover-Up. And we are in 2 Samuel 11. And if you are new to Trinity, we, we walk through books of the Bible. And we are returning back to our series in First and 2 Samuel. And we find ourselves here in chapter 11. And it fascinates me. I don't know if you've considered this, but it fascinates me, but it doesn't surprise me that there is such a thing as a prosperity gospel. Fascinates me, but doesn't surprise me. Because humanity lusts for comfort and ease. So it doesn't surprise me. Uh, We lust for long life, health, and wealth. We make a God of long life, health, and wealth. The problem with the prosperity gospel is it's just not biblical. Actually, the opposite is true, meaning I think we'd be closer to the gospel if we called it the suffering gospel. Or the adversity gospel. I think we'd be closer to the gospel if we called it things such as that. But not so much prosperity gospel. I don't think that the prosperity gospel would preach very well to Peter or Paul. Or the countless martyrs throughout history. So much joy can be found in third world countries where there isn't prosperity. Where prosperity is hard to find. So much passionate love for God in worship. So much dependence on God in prayer. And it's humbling to see that. They can't just buy their way out of their suffering. They endure it and they pray for God's help. And it shouts at us. Ours is not the test of adversity today. I mentioned last week. You know, we think of adversity, we think, well, the, the garbage disposal, you know, the, the clothes dryer and the refrigerator all broke in the same week. Adversity. Ours is the test of prosperity, all of us. And most of First and Second Samuel covers David's life through the test of adversity. He's running, literally, for his life. He's hiding in the caves. It's in days of trouble that he wrote things like Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Selah, rest. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. David, a man after God's own heart, 1 Samuel 13. David, the writer of so many psalms that that he records just the joy of being in the presence of the Lord. The king who brings Saul's crippled grandson, that's where we left off last, brought his crippled grandson into the palace, into the the king's table. The people are now blessed. We finally have our king. We finally are no longer divided and um, under one king. Things Things are finally going well for the people. It's a life of suffering, and now it shifts 
to prosperity. And that's what brings us to 2 Samuel chapter 11. Let's pray. Lord, I ask for your help right now. Lord, we can be so familiar with this chapter. Lord, that we can stand at a distance from it and almost treat it passively or just read it and just think pharisaically. What's wrong with you, David? Lord, I pray that you would land upon our hearts, each one of us. Help us to hear what we need to hear. Help us to repent where we need to repent. Help us to seek after you. Lord, build your church this morning. Another Sunday in 2023, week two. Lord God, build your church this morning. Through the preaching of your word, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, point number one is the test of prosperity. Josiah already read it, but I want to circle back around to it. Verse number one, in the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel. And they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged uh, Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. Did you catch that? It's, it's the time when the kings go out to battle. David's a king. David remains in Jerusalem. It's a time for war, David. We could say it's a time for suffering, David. Suffering on the battlefield with your brothers. It's during that time, David sent Joab and his servants into battle. While David remained in the comforts of Jerusalem. Picking up again. It happened late one afternoon. When David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof of the king's house that he saw from the roof a woman bathing and the woman was very beautiful. And we've seen nothing like this in the life of David. He was a warrior leader. He was not a warrior sender. He was a warrior leader. But now things in the kingdom for the king are so prosperous that he can just remain back and stay at home and 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 be alone while the warriors went into battle he can be alone and idle and he can let others fight the enemy without him david chose comfort rather than war he chose a balcony rather than a battlefield he sent rather than went and i want to remind you trinity of last week's sermon, Get Into the Game 2023, or we could title it, Get Into the Battle 2023. Today is not the day for us to sit back in our comforts, chilling on the couch. Today is a day of battle. If you are a follower of Christ, then every day of your life is a day of battle. Now, there's nothing wrong with rest. We need rest. God expects us to rest. And there's nothing wrong with some alone time. But just know that when prosperity blends itself with idleness and aloneness, loneliness, be on your guard. We think, you know, I've put in my time serving. I'm ready for a break. And perhaps that's even true. But that can quickly become idleness. And loneliness, be on your guard. It's a dangerous place to live as a Christian. Followers of Christ, 
go to war for the honor and glory of Christ. Go to war for the benefit of your own soul and for the love of your marriage and your family, your children. Walk with Christ for the honor of the Lord. How are you doing with the test of prosperity? Number two is the unrelenting progression of sin. Again, backing up. It happened late one afternoon when David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof of the king's house that he saw from the roof a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful and David sent. There's a lot of sending going on. And David sent and inquired about the woman. And one said, is, this, is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam? the wife of Uriah, the Hittite. So David sent messengers and took her and she came to him and he lay with her. Now she had been purifying herself from her uncleanliness. Then she returned to her house and the woman conceived and she sent and told David, I am pregnant. Did you catch the verbs? The verbs alone tell the story. Saw, inquired, Sent, took, lay, conceived. And the letter of James is really a commentary on this unrelenting progression that we see here. Chapter 1, verse 14. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. The des- then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. David reminds me a lot of Eve, who also saw and took and conceived sin. Genesis 3, 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she what? Took the fruit and ate. How quickly, how quickly we see Adam and Eve, who once walked with God in the garden, the nearness of of the presence of, of God. How quickly we see David, who we prayed about this morning in the prayer meeting, Psalm 27. One thing, this is David, one thing have I asked of the Lord, that I will seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. How about inquire? And to inquire in his temple. How quick, Adam and Eve, how quick, David, presence of the Lord to a complete rejection of the Lord. I want to yell at my Bible in chapter 11. David, no, no. What, what are you doing, David? How, how could you, David? And then I have to realize that I have this very ability in me and you have it in you. And if you don't think so, I'm concerned for you. Be sobered by chapter 11. Be sobered by this prosperity and this progression of sin. Don't use this text to encourage the Pharisee 
that's in us. What's wrong with you, David? Don't do that. David, get in the game. Go to war. But he stays back in the comforts of his prosperity on his couch. Where he saw, and then he inquired, and then he sent. David, quote scripture. Run to the word. Scripture is your friend, follower of Christ. God will help you in your moment of temptation if you will look to him. Psalms 119.9, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. It wasn't for David, it comes later, but it is for us. Pray the Lord's Prayer. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Hebrews 13, let marriage be held in honor among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Genesis 4, the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why has your face fallen? If you do well, you, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is, crou- is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must, must rule over it. Now, it's not lost on the text. It actually tells us in verse 4, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? This, this, is, this is somebody's daughter. This is somebody's wife. The dad being Eliam. The husband being Uriah. Do you know both of these men are... Elite members of David's bodyguards. Bodyguards of the king listed among David's elite men in in 2 Samuel 23. They are protectors of the king. Little did they know they needed to be protected from the king. Do you remember early on in our Samuel series that the people are crying out, Give us a king! And Samuel about loses his mind. And he tells them, Don't you know? That a king's going to take your land and he's going to take your daughters. And we all probably thought, yep, Saul's coming. David's coming. David's going to take your daughters. Verse 5, Bathsheba's only recorded words in the text. It's the only time we hear from her. Says, and she sent and told David, I am pregnant. Now, David has the power to commit sin, but he has no power at it at all to avoid its consequences, though he tries. And, friends, we fool ourselves to think we have power over both. Galatians tells us God will not be mocked. Whatever a man sows, he will reap in return. And our world wants to dress it up, dress up this episode, right? I mean, this is just such small stuff in our world. I'm going to call it a one-night stand. going to call it a little fling. Sin doesn't advertise that that little fling is death to a family and death to a marriage. That little fling will literally bring death to Uriah 
and many other servants that go unnamed. The consequences of the little fling will last David's lifetime. And that's the reality of sin. It's just a little thing. It won't hurt anyone. Well, chapter 11 is just getting started. And she says, I am pregnant. And for David, now what? Brings us to point number three, the cover-up. And we're just going to tick through these verses and walk through it. David, the powerful king, is now determined to fix the mess. And it's here that we see sin's progression further deceiving. David, sin, sin got you into this place, David. Sin will not get you out of this place. But that's how we think. And so David's going to show us. He's going to pile sin on top of sin. So we pick up in verse 6. So David sent, again we see that word, um, sent word to Joab, send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David. When Uriah came to him, David asked how Joab was doing, as if he cared. How's Joab doing and how the people were doing and how the war was going? And all this repetition of this word that I keep referencing how it says so many times that he sends, he sends, he sends. It's putting an emphasis on David's authority and power. He sends people. He calls for people. And it's the, the abuse of his authority. He sent for Bathsheba. He sends words. Send me Uriah the Hittite. Scripture notes for us that he's a Hittite, meaning Uriah the outsider who's now an insider. Uriah is a Gentile. He's a convert. Uriah is on the outside who's now become on the inside. We'll circle back around to that in a moment. Let's pick up verse 8. Then David said to Uriah, Go down to your house and wash your feet. And Uriah went out to the king's house and there followed him a present from the king. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of his Lord and did not go down to his house. When they told David Uriah did not go down to his house, David said to Uriah, Have you not come from a journey? Why did you not go down to your house? Uriah said to David, The ark and Israel and Judah dwell in booths. And my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are camping in an open field. Shall I then go to my house? To eat and drink and to lie with my wife? As you live and as your soul lives, I will not do this thing. My brothers are facing the test of adversity. The, the, Gentile, the Gentile convert has more character than the king. The Gentile convert cares more about the ark. And when we say ark, be reminded, we're talking about he has, he, he has more concern about the presence of the Lord. When we say ark, that's what we're talking about. He has more concern about the presence of the Lord, that outsider who's now a convert, while the man of God, David, who once danced in worship when the ark returned to Jerusalem, is now indifferent towards that same ark. It's stunning. 
indifferent, not towards just a box, indifferent towards the presence of the Lord. Rather than, rather than being consumed with the presence of the Lord, he became consumed with the presence of a woman who was not his wife. Church, be sobered by this. Don't look at this proudly, self-righteously, pharisaically. Be sobered by this. And let's even ask ourselves, in our prosperity, am I indifferent towards the presence of the Lord? Paul says to the Corinthians, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So Uriah says, far be it from me, to enjoy the comforts of my home and my wife while my brothers are out at war spilling their blood. He won't take what is his. And he says, while my brothers are at war, I won't take what's mine. Meanwhile, David didn't go to war and took what was not his. It's, it's a stunning rebuke by Uriah, the once outsider who's a convert. Picking up at verse 12. Then David said to Uriah, remain here today also and tomorrow I will send you back. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem that day and the next. And David invited him, and he ate in his presence and drank so that he made him drunk. And in the evening he went out to lie on his couch with the servants of his Lord, but he did not go down to his house. And here we see that Uriah, in his drunkenness, is more godly than the king in his soberness. Verse 14. In the morning David wrote a letter to Joab. Here's the progression of sin. And sent it by the hand of Uriah. Ha! That's bold. Here, Uriah, take this letter. In the letter he wrote, Set Uriah in the forefront of the hardest fighting, and then draw back from him that he may be struck down and die. And as Joab was besieging the city, he assigned Uriah to the place where he knew there were valiant men. And the men of the city came out and fought with Joab. And some of the servants of David among the people fell. Uriah the Hittite also died. And David would have never imagined that he would drop so low. And that's how sin deceives us, isn't it? We find ourselves in places we never would have imagined. David is a man with authority. He thinks he can control things. He does all the sending. He begins to actually think, I can control this mess. But step back and see it. David, David is not in control. Sin is actually controlling David. And it's marching him down this pit and deceiving him all the way. He was a servant of God, but now he's become a servant, a slave to his sin. And to serve sin is to be dragged around like a rag doll. I can cover this up, David figures. 
I can clean up my mess. But David can't control this. He sins more and more, and sin controls him more and more, and everything spins further out of his control. And that's what sin does, doesn't it? It mocks us. It says, sin more to cover up the sin. And then sin laughs. It makes us the fool. Have you seen it? I'm so glad for you, Trinity Community Church. I'm so glad for you. It is, I don't know if we realize what a grace it is to be a part of a local church. A body of believers, brothers and sisters. I'm so glad for Trinity. Do you know the the grace of accountability that can be found in a local church? Accountability is a word we just kind of toss out there a lot. Make sure you're accountable. Do an accountability meeting. It means nothing. It's only, I call it, it's an empty box. It's only what you put in it. Nobody can force accountability. You can come to the accountability meeting and not be accountable. You can talk about A, B, and C and and monopolize the time on A, B, and C just so we stay away from X, Y, and Z. That's what accountability is. It's up to you. Do you know the grace of the local church? It is such a grace to those who avail themselves to the grace. Do you know why we think membership is so important? Membership says, individuals say, I am committing myself to you, to each other. It's got teeth. It means something. It's important. And do you know, do you know why we, 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 we talk about community groups? They're important. You say, oh, everything's fine right now. That's great. That's wonderful. And then there's some loneliness and some idleness and mix that up with some prosperity. And suddenly we've forgotten. We don't have the relationships. We, ha- we haven't invested in the relationships. We haven't committed ourselves to each other. Do you know the grace of the local church? 2 Samuel 11 tells us why these things are so important. Are you taking full advantage of what the local church offers. I'm so blessed. I am a ridiculously blessed pastor. Not exaggerating, hardly ever an elders meeting ends without me getting in my car and just saying, thank you, God, for what you've given us. This is not just a formal team. It's not a formality. They're brothers. Brothers, friends, that we go to battle with. I'm so glad. Finances. I don't, I don't sign checks at Trinity. Don't remember the last time I signed a check at Trinity. I don't know. I have to get with Richard and give me some reports. Let me know kind of where things are at. Had to find out. Pray for Richard. He's got COVID. All right. So just returned from vacation. He's got COVID this morning. But hey, what, what is the number for Uganda? I don't count the offering. I'm so glad I've got friends. We have a team. I travel. I have friends who care. I have friends that I can text. Hey, I'm traveling. I want to be accountable. Ask me questions. How am I doing? Let me just ask you, are you in community? Because you know what? Even church life can be a prosperity. 
where we're just so prosperous in our church life together that we can just take it for granted and be passive about it. What a blessing. What a means of accountability. And I could just go on. Let's pick up verse 18. Then Joab sent and told David all the news about the fighting. And he instructed the messenger, when you have finished telling all the news about the fighting to the king, then if the king's anger arises, Joab knows something about the king's anger. He saw it before when he slayed Abner. He says to you, why did you go so near the city to fight? Did you not know that they would shoot from the wall? Who killed Abimelech, the son of Jerubasheth? Did not a woman cast an upper millstone on him from the wall so that he died at Thebes? Why did you go so near the wall? Then you shall say, your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. All right, that's what's going to ease the king's anger. That's, that's what used to raise the king's anger. So the messenger went and came and told David all that Joab had sent to him to tell. Verse 23, the messenger said to David, the men gained an advantage over us and came out against us in the field, but we drove them back to the entrance of the gate. Then the archers shot at your servants from the wall. Some of the king's servants are dead and your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. And it's important for us to notice that our sin affects more than just ourself. It drags others into the mire. It pulls others into our death. Who are these other men? We, we don't even know. They're just servants of the king. That's all we know about them. But they die at the hands of the king who was assigned to be their protector. Again, it takes us back to Samuel who's losing his mind that they want a king. And more families are broken and devastated and will experience the effect of this one man's sin for the rest of their days. And nothing has changed. It's like I'm talking about yesterday. Nothing has changed. This is, this is our day. This is where we live. We have broken families and devastated churches. Which brings us to number four. Don't let this despise you. This despised the Lord. You might want to mark this in your Bible. Verse 25. David said to the messenger... Thus you shall say to Joab, do not let this matter displease you. All right? So don't, don't fret about this. These things happen, is what he's going to tell him. For the sword devours now one and now another. It's kind of random. This happens. Strengthen your attack against the city and overthrow it and encourage him. When the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah, her husband, was dead, she lamented over her husband. And when the morning was over, David sent and brought her to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. End of chapter. Did you hear it? Verse 25, don't let it displease you, Joab. You know, these things happen in war. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. Brothers and sisters, is there a thing that you just kind of want to write off? Kind of like, uh, you know, these things happen. Don't let it bother you. Don't let it 
displease you. It's okay. And that very thing is the thing that displeases the Lord. The Lord. God help us at Trinity. Don't want to have any train wrecks in 2023. Or any one of us, any of us, would make a wreck out of the marriage, out of the home, out of the family. Is there a thing in your prosperity, in your idleness, in your your loneliness, is there a thing that would displease the Lord? Well, number five, what do we do with 2 Samuel 11? Three quick things. Number one, love your Bible. Love your Bible in 2023. Every one of us needs 2 Samuel 11. I don't mean we need it passively. I don't mean we just need to read it. We need 2 Samuel 11. Don't dismiss from, don't dismiss yourself from this chapter. Don't think you're beyond David. See it, look it in the face, and be sobered by it. Be humbled by it. Lord, I'm capable of this very thing. I need you. The genre of, old, the, of, of this Samuel is Old Testament narrative. But, but hear me, it's more than a story that's just being told. It's instruction. We're being instructed here through the story. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 11. Now these things happen to them as an example. This is Paul talking, writing to the Corinthians, and he's, he's writing to them about their Bible, which would have been the Old Testament. Now these things, these Old Testament things, happen to these people as an example, but they were written down for our instruction. Be instructed, church. Paul Talking about the Old Testament church, he's, you know what he's telling them? Love your Bible. Fall in love with God's word. Read it in 2023. It is your very life. Lean into 2 Samuel chapter 11. Listen to how it's instructing us. Repent where you need to repent. What is that thing that is displeasing to the Lord? It's not just a story. This is for us. Where needed, love your Bible by repenting. If repentance is not needed, then love your Bible by being sobered and by being humbled by chapter 11. Second, look to the better king. We've said it throughout the series. We'll say it throughout the rest of the series. There's a better prophet There's a better priest. There's a better king. King Jesus is the better king. Don't look to me. Don't look to another man, another woman. Don't don't make men to be your heroes. There's a better king. His name is King Jesus. I used to say, make sure that your heroes are dead. And the idea there was they finished. You can now look at certain ones and they finished and you could say, oh, they made it. 
Make them your heroes. I've changed that. Make your hero the one who died and rose from the grave. Make that your hero. Make him to be your number one hero. Don't look to me. Don't look to other people. Look to a better pastor. Look to a better shepherd, the great shepherd. Keep your eyes on that shepherd. He's the one. Get your eyes off of man. Men make awful gods. Put your eyes on the Lord. He is the better Savior. He is the perfect sacrifice. He, he went to the grave in perfection in all that he did. He's more than a good example. He's the Savior of our sins. He's the one we've sung about this morning. He is perfect, the only hero. He's the one, the only one who can redeem us from our sins. In him today, if there is that thing that displeases the Lord, you can run to him. Call out to him for forgiveness and he will forgive you of your sins. Praise be to God. Look to the better king. Thirdly, go in faith. And I'm gonna ask the worship team to join me here. Go in faith. You know what? We might, we might look at this, this chapter and think, oh no, everything is ruined for Israel. Right? What a mess of things David has made. Our hope, Israel's hope, that guy, we finally had the king who united the kingdom. We finally got our guy. We finally have some submission. We finally, we're doing well. We're prosperous. The best king we've ever had has now failed us miserably. What do I want to say to that? I want to say, go in faith, Trinity Community Church. Go in faith because God is sovereign and he's the better king. Remember 2 Samuel 7. We took a lot of time building up to 2 Samuel 7 because it's, this, it's, the, it's, the, it's the covenant of David. And do you remember what the covenant said? David, you will have a forever kingdom. Well, it's not looking real good right now. Four chapters later. It's not looking good. This whole forever kingdom thing seems to be falling apart. Shortly thereafter, God said, you will have a forever kingdom. King David will absolutely fail you. But King Jesus will come from the line of David. Now, I know when we get to genealogies, you know, our brains kind of get a little overwhelmed. It's a genealogy. Maybe we just go, let's just skip that stuff. I want to take us back again. Matthew chapter 1, verse number 1. Here's the genealogy. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez, the father of Hezron, and Hezron, the father of Ram, and Ram, the father of Minadab, and Aminadab, the father of Nashon, and Nashon, the father of Salmon, and Salmon, the father of Boaz, by Rahab, and Boaz, the father of Obed, by Ruth, and Obed, the father of Jesse. 
and Jesse, the father of David, the king. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. And it will go on. You know what that's saying? That, that's, that's Bible speak. God is king. God is sovereign. Go in faith, church. God is sovereign. Ah, because, because sinful man cannot wreck the plan of God. That theology speaks gospel. It tells you, oh, oh, we make a wreck of things. God will be faithful. It doesn't even name her. It's just the wife of Uriah. Ah, but the wife of Uriah, okay, that's Bathsheba. What can you imagine? I try to think, you know, what was it like for an original reader? Meaning someone was the first person to read the gospel of Matthew. What was it like for that person? Chapter one, verse one, right? They didn't have chapters, they didn't have verses, but all right, let's start in and in reading through the genealogy. What is it saying? God is faithful, God is faithful, God is faithful. Go in faith, go in faith. Don't be distracted. Look, look, there will be things that will take place sadly this year, 2023, if things continue as things always have. Like there will be, there will be leaders who fail us. There will be national names that we think, no, never them, maybe them. Go in faith. God is sovereign. Keep your eyes on the King, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what the genealogy tells us. It says in one of the most atrocious moments in all of the Old Testament, you know what it says? It says this will be redeemed too. And there will be a, there will be a line that will come from David. It says man cannot thwart the plan of God. Even in man's great sin, God will not be set aside. He will have a people go in faith. What a king. What a king we serve this morning. What a gracious, good and gracious king we serve. Sometimes, you know, songs just kind of, become a theme of a series. And this one we're fixing to sing, sing is that song. What a good and gracious king. That's the king that you serve. I brought a prop with me. I wasn't sure if I was going to pull it out or not. So this is a real helmet. That hurt. And I bought it once for my three sons. <laughs> and I wrote them a letter, and I want to read it to you. To my boys, Tyler, Timothy, Tanner. Guys, I give you this helmet to serve as a reminder that you are boys, young men. The job of being a man is to be a warrior. Ephesians 6. Boys, fight the good fight of faith. Men are also called to be protectors. Men went off to fight wars and battles to protect women and children. They fought for freedom. Women did not use to fight in wars. Sorry, it's tricky to read this. This was the job of men. Remember, this helmet to you is a toy, something you will play with. I don't think they played with it much, but men have worn helmets just like this one to fight. Men have died fighting for all of us, for our freedom, wearing a helmet like this. Boys, be a fighter, a protector of women and children. 
Be men of courage, trusting in God, Jesus Christ, your Savior. Jesus was and is the ultimate warrior. He is a fighter. He fought for our freedom from sin and death. Boys, Jesus won the ultimate battle. And he did it by dying on the cross. Never ever forget what Jesus did to win the battle. Amazing, he wins by dying. Boys, listen to your dad. Be a fighter, a warrior for what is right. Fight for the gospel. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And when you grow tired of the fight, keep fighting. Love you, my sons. Dad. Church. Church, fight the good fight of faith. The battle is unrelenting. We live in prosperity. Let the text instruct us in our loneliness, in our idleness, be warned. Oh, let me just pray. Father, keep us, keep us close to you. Lord, keep us. Lord, when temptation raises its head against us, Lord, help us to look to Scripture. Help us to go in faith, look in Scripture. Help, help us to look to the better King, to the glory of your name. God, would you help us to be warriors, to be fighters, to our last dying breath. And thank you, Jesus. You're the ultimate warrior. You won by dying. To the glory of your name, we praise you forever and ever. Amen. Let's stand and sing, church.